hello and welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I am your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. Uh, this is episode 28, and we are in the heart of free agency. You know, uh, it is Friday the uh, 12th when this comes out, and uh, in five more days, you know, free agency is sort of quote-unquote legal, but, you know, we're in that sort of legal tampering period, and man, it's so exciting. And I think I've got the uh, the absolute best undroppable to have on the show with me this week. But before I kind of get to my my two guests. I have two guys on the show today, which is uh, which is a lot of fun. But before I do that, I I saw some news today that was kind of fun. Uh, I saw um, Travis Etienne, Chubby Etienne. Uh, you know, I was I was kind of thinking that you know if if, if Etienne weighed two hundred five or more and ran a sub four four, that'd have been pretty awesome. By the way, I got I got to give my man a shout out. Mark Mathic, you guys know the Shanghai Warrior, uh, you know, uh, constantly on this show. Everybody loves Mark Mathic. There's a receipt. The receipt king is in the house on Mark Mathic. There's a DM, uh, and and Mark Mathic said, look, if ETN weighs 215 and runs a 4-4 flat, I'm in. And the dude went out and weighed exactly 215 and ran a 4-4 flat. So uh, Mark Mathic is the whisperer. There is no doubt. But, you know, we were all kind of talking in those group chats and in that in those DMs about and, and kind of maybe I mentioned it on the pod a little bit. Obviously, we're sometimes getting ahead of ourselves with these with these uh, with these rookies, but we're all addicted. And, and, and of course, we are ahead of ourselves. But, you know, um, I think the I think the weight was more important than than the than the speed. I mean, we know he's fast. And, you know, I, I thought maybe if he put on too much weight, he might be slow. And I think he is faster than a 4-4. I think he's somewhere in those four threes. And I think he's going to play at 205, 210, maybe. Uh, he looked a little a little chunky. He looked a little, I mean, he was wearing a loose t-shirt and everything, but he looked a little uh, like James Harden out there. So, But at, at the end of the day, look, the fact that he can get himself up to 215 and move like that because he looked real quick uh, is, is awesome. And, and he's right back up there at, you know, it, it, look, he was always in my top three one way or the other. He's He's moved from... RB1 to RB3. And that's just kind of how I am. I'm kind of a fickle guy when it comes to this stuff. But when it comes right down to it, we're going to have, you know, really solid rankings uh, after all the information is in. And that's going to include draft capital. And I won't be a a bit surprised if Travis Etienne is at least this show's dynasty uh, rookie running back one. Um, You know, obviously, we're a big group at the Undroppable, so I'm not going to speak for everybody else. But you know, I can I can tell you that it's very very possible that Travis Etienne vaults him, himself up. Uh, we're going to talk some dynasty today, but we'd be remiss if we weren't talking some free agents. So, first and foremost, I want to bring on my my guest uh, today, and you know, I've got a, a great guest, a guy I've been, you know, kind of ships in the night with, and haven't really gotten you know to chop it up. And I'm really excited to bring him on. He's kind of you know a bit of a draft junkie like me, and. Uh, probably a lot smarter than me, especially when it comes to the draft. So I'm really excited to have him on and for him to kind of make me smarter and and make you all smarter as well. And so without further ado, I'm going to bring on my guest, Matt Hicks. Matt his, uh, uh, can be found at the FF underscore educator, but the, uh, the FF uh, educator, easy for me to say, guys, of course, but what an introduction I just dropped on Matt Hicks. Matt, what's going on, brother? Hey man, glad to be here. Definitely excited to chop it up, talk some rookies, talk some salary cap. It's all intertwined, man, as we get closer and closer to the draft and we start learning some of these landing spots. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hey, I got a question for you. You know, you heard my my lame intro, but 
the people want to know who who you got at you know uh, running back one, two, and three as it stands right now. Yeah, so it's Najee Harris for me, pretty easily running back one. Uh, Travis Etienne to me is a really solid running back too. I thought you did a good job alluding to the weight there. You know, it's always a decision for running backs between them and their agents what they do. Uh, in terms of adding weight, taking weight off, it's all a game. He's not playing at 215. We know that. He's going to play 200, 205, you know, probably somewhere more in that 205, 208 range. And yep. we know he's fast. So yep. he, he's really running a sub 4-4. Four, four. So, uh, you, you know, it, it's all it's all a little bit of gamesmanship. And, and he's trying to play his way into the first round. And, and weight is part of that for the NFL. So, um, you know, I, I'm perfectly happy with his uh, pro day. And for me, uh, my my running back three <laughs> is kind of where folks start to, um, or I, I should say where I start to break from consensus with folks a little bit here. Uh, actually, pre-draft, and we'll see where he lands, and, and draft capital will play into this, but pre-draft, JV and Hawkins out of Louisville is my running back three. I'm a, I'm a big fan of Hawkins. I think he's flying way too under the radar, and I am not quite on the Javante Williams hype train uh, as not as much as other folks are, he's sitting there at running back four for me right now. Well, I, I look, I, I'm a big fan of Javian Hawkins, so you're not going to get any pushback from me that Javian Hawkins is not a good player. But w- what do you expect him to weigh out at, and how do you justify putting a guy that size in your top top five for that matter? Yeah, so I, I know he's, he gets knocked for size a lot, but uh, you know Michael Carter's the hotness right now on, on uh, FF Twitter, and Michael Carter's five seven two oh two. So Javion Hawkins, he's five nine one ninety six. His last weigh in in college, so we'll see kind of what he puts on and what he measures in at. But uh, for me, you know, size it's we've seen guys at five nine consistently kind of tear it up the last few years. Um, and, and on top of that, he is a very strong player. Like he is a built out 196. Like that is a that is a packed frame. So, you know, in terms of body structure, he looks good. He plays strong. He's got great contact balance. So I'm not too worried about his physical ability. And, you know, being smaller, the way he's able to move around the field with his athleticism, his speed, his burst, his quickness. He's got great vision, good change of direction ability. So I think he really did anything he was asked to do at Louisville. And he built that frame up. He came into Louisville, I believe, as a freshman, like a buck fifty-five. Like he was small, and, and he built up and built out that frame over the last three years. So, you know, I think he's trending, trending, um, you know, in a positive way with building out that that frame. So, I'm not too worried about his size. Well, I mean, <clears throat> you know, I am a, a little bit of a size guy when it comes to um, running backs. I think it does matter. I think it matters, you know, more so in terms of whether or not it's more how the NFL is going to see them rather than whether or not I think they're capable or not, you know, because whether I think they're capable or not, I feel like matters very little and whether or not the NFL thinks they're capable or not, just as you pointed out with, uh, with ETN gaining weight for first round cap. I mean, look, he, he may not get there, but he's going to be an early second round guy. We assume almost regardless uh, with that speed, that, college profile i mean it's really hard to ignore look i'm 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 intrigued now you're making me think about javian hawkins a little bit more i really like him um you know and i'm gonna have to dig in a little bit deeper um you know so that's that's a pretty interesting one um you know he, he that's interesting he never hit the the 20 receptions he doesn't hit 200 pounds so for my you know sort of um anatomy series he falls short on a few things but you know the bmi is a little low so i I just find that it's going to be hard for me to make him elite but 
you know, for someone who he, he, I think he ranked like top four in like big play and tackle breaking. Like he's he's a legit player. I'll give you that. Uh, but we've seen a few uh, college running backs who who aren't NFL running backs. I just have a fear that might be him. Um, I don't know if you want to re- respond. I'm not looking to get the last word here. So, yeah, he played in a tough scheme at, at Louisville. It was a very odd scheme. They were very run heavy. Like even the quarterback ran the ball most of the time. And when they did throw the ball, they threw it to two, uh, you know, popular day three prospects right now, Tutu Atwell and, and Des Fitzpatrick. So they they didn't have the need for Javian Hawkins to catch the ball. I thought when he was targeted, he looked good. Like his hands looked fine. He made some off-target catches and brought that in. He was able to react well, uh, track that ball well, turn up field after the catch. So, uh, you know, uh, one thing that I've kind of made a point on and developed over the last few years is, is to not knock a prospect for for not doing something they aren't asked to do. You know, I didn't knock A.J. Dillon last year for not being a good pass catcher because he wasn't asked to do it at B.C., and it's a similar vein with Javian Hawkins. When he was asked to catch the ball, he did well. Um, but that Louisville offense was broken last year. Um, and that, that plays to JV and Hawkins as well. I love running backs that create their own space. What, what Hawkins was able to do in terms of breaking tackles and being elusive in very tight space. Oftentimes, man, the defenders were in the backfield in his face by the time he got the ball, that offensive line was rough. So where some of these other guys benefit from having really good offensive lines and running behind it. Almost everything was working against JV and Hawkins on a, on a pretty regular basis, and he was able to create a lot. So it was a really tough place for him, um, but he was still really productive within that. So draft capital is going to be, you know, uh, a big deal with him. If he doesn't go day two, then he's going to slide down the board. You know, I, I won't be able to justify keeping him up at that spot. But, you know, one thing I found is just be true to what you're seeing on tape uh, for me pre-draft and then be willing to adjust after it. So it's Hawkins for now. And, you know, he might slide down that board if he goes rounds four, five, six. Hopefully not that far, but you never know. That That's fair enough. I think, you know, there's another, you know, my crush is Kenny Gainwell. And for the, for the reason, like, I could say I like Kenny Gainwell and he's a top two or three back for me in this class. But because I know he's going to be close to 5'10", 5'11", and I hope he's shorter, but, you know, and, and 190 – Look, if that's the case, I have to cross him off. And I've I've kind of wrestled back and forth with saying, well, just put him up there now. And then when he measures that way, then you can bring him back down. I don't know what the hell the difference is, whether I put him there and, and assume or or if I, you know, keep him where he is now, which I have him, you know, somewhere between five and ten, uh, running back five and ten in the class. And then if he is, you know, five, ten, two oh two, then I'll move him up, I guess. I don't know what the difference is, but you know, either way, I, I that's another guy that I really like in that way. And I think there's a few size guys. You know, you mentioned Michael Carter, but as you point out, Michael Carter is, you know, would love to be 5'8", but is over 200, and that does get him over that 30 BMI. And I know you're saying, Scott, who gives a shit, you know, 28 or 30, but, you know, at the end of the day, um, you know, like I said, the anatomy of, a, of an elite running back, it's very rare. Almost never do you see a, a, a BMI lower than 30 at an elite running back uh, level. So I'm fine taking these guys second, third round. Uh, not expecting elite production, but if you're looking for, you know, the the next RB one or top fifteen running back in the NFL, uh, it's not likely to come from a guy that size, and so that's why Michael Carter actually is small, but does pass that threshold. Yeah, part of the part of the explanation for me with Javian Hawkins at three is because I believe after one and two there are no really high up you know there's no guys that I feel super confident are gonna knock it out of the ballpark it's a clear teardrop for me this is not a deep 
running back class in terms of quick return and value or, or guaranteed return and value. If it's not Harris or Etienne, you might as well be at the blackjack table. You know, so so pick who you want to pick um, and, and kind of get behind your guy and, and enjoy the process of rooting for you. Some of these guys will hit. Absolutely. Some of the guys you draft in your second and third round will hit. But it's not going to be like last year where, where you got six running backs deep, seven running backs deep, and you got real contributors. It's a thinner class. I think the cool thing is that this was supposed to start with like free agency. I'm supposed to be bringing my other guest in. And you can see that Matt and I could probably talk like this for I don't know how many damn hours. This is fun as hell, man. I'm so glad to have you on the show. But I do want to get to some of the stuff with the guy just sitting here waiting in the green room. He's falling asleep. He's on the East Coast. It's late at night. Poor son of a bitch. You know what I mean? So let me bring in my second guest. It's it's Lieutenant Dan. Lieutenant Dan, you can find him at uh, at AWL Sabermetrics. Such a catchy Twitter handle. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But Dan is one of my best friends uh, um, You know, out there. He is uh, he's part of the Undroppables group. Um, he, came, he came and joined the team when Tommy Moe joined the team. He was kind of running two-on-one fantasy sports with with Tommy and you know when 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 that group sort of joined us so didn't so didn't he and you know he kind of filled in where he needed to and and he took on the role of of contracts and contract analysis and 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 uh taking care of the contract uh page on our website which is at the uh, the uh one of the only you know sort of uh uh sites where we're not just devoted to contracts we're devoted to everything but we have contracts there, so sort of that one-stop shop, and and Dan's been a big part of the team. So without further ado, Lieutenant Dan, talk to me. What's going on, guys? Happy to be here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I wish I had some ice cream to really, you know, round out the the nickname we got going on here. But uh, yeah, super <laughs> excited to uh, chat it up and you know break down some stuff. You know, and honestly, just. I could sit here and listen to you guys talk out, you know, rookies as well too. So I, I'm in, I'm in my glory right here. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, man. Just to get get going with him, it was between Lieutenant Dan and Dan Marino. I was going to tell everybody I had Dan Marino on the podcast, and they'd have been like, "No shit, this guy can pull, <laughs> man. He can pull some guests." Fucking Dan Marino talking about contracts. That's pretty cool. But no, I went with Lieutenant Dan. And the only reason is because in our current format, I can't see your legs. So that's possible that you are actually <laughs> Lieutenant Dan. So Lieutenant Dan, tell me right now, you know, here's what I want to talk about off the top with you. And and obviously, Matt, you're going to have some input on this as well. But um, I think some of the biggest news, you know, right now is obviously we're heading into free agency. There's going to be some really cool stuff. But the biggest signing and the one that I think, you know, like I tweeted right after Dak got signed and I was like, oh, my, all my Amari and CD Lamb shares are just so happy right now. And I've got a lot of those because those two dudes are are, are definitely uh, two of my favorite wide receivers. Um, but let's talk about about Dak and maybe you could tell the, the folks exactly what the implications of that deal are and and kind of, you know, what what's important with what we should see there. Yeah. So, um, you know, it took it took Jerry long enough to figure this out, too, which was just insane. But, you know, they finally got it done, which was good. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing to really take note of, I mean, first and foremost, is that signing bonus is huge for Dak. Uh, $66 million, the most ever. And then you start to roll in a couple of the guarantees, $75 million, $95 million. I mean, he, the guy got paid. And, you know, it's it's deserved. So really happy for him. You know, something to kind of take note of is is technically 2024 isn't guaranteed. 
Uh, it, there's a little bit of a, you know, the start of the year versus I think five days in his final year vest. So realistically, I mean, they'd have to pay like three years, a hundred and something million for, for him. So that fourth year is going to happen. But in theory, if he falls off a cliff, you know, if Jax throws him off a bridge, you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's something there to keep an eye out on. Um, you know, uh, the two things that I think are the most interesting with the DAC contract and talking about implications, even for the rest of free agency, um, you know, is the use of the void years on his contract. So um, 2025 and 2026, they're actually voided years. So it doesn't affect the length of his contract at all, but it helps the Cowboys spread out that signing bonus money. So in 2022, they're going to restructure just to kick it back to 2026 a little bit. Um, I'm going to, I've been saying it a lot really, you know, in the undroppables group chat here, uh, but watch all of these major free agents, keep an eye on when the contract gets reported, who has void years so far, the two biggest dudes, Dak and then Levante David both got them. You know, the, the teams are going to find ways to, to spread out the money in a cap situation like we're seeing right now. And I think what you're telling the people is this was a win-win deal that Dak got paid and the Cowboys kind of get away to to be creative with the cap is what you're telling me. Yeah, yeah, I think it's great for everybody involved. Um, I'm a, I'm a players guy for the most part more than team, so like I'm always a little more happy for Dak. But yeah, I think it works out really, really well. You know, he's going to be 31 by the time he's a free agent. I think it's going to be. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun to see how this how this goes on. And uh, I think the best thing for him, too, is that before he signed his deal, they signed the franchise tag. So now, because he, that was his second tag, if he were to ever get tagged again, that would be his third. And it would cost like 45 or 50 million against the cap. So he's never going to get tagged again. So this man just got paid from Jerry and from four years is going to get another monster contract. So I think it's going to be, he set himself up forever. Dak kicked nice. the crap out of this one. Yeah. Nice. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, he is uh, one of those uh, one of those quarterbacks that's kind of good for real life and for fantasy. I mean, he does have that, that, that middling Konami code. I mean, he rushes for a lot of touchdowns. Dude is just stacked. So, I mean, he's a real goal line player. I mean, he doesn't scramble too much. I mean, it is funny, man. You know, of course, he got hurt on a scramble on that damn turf. I'm, a, you know, I'm a, not, not a fan of this turf, but um, he, he's awesome. And and I'll ask Matt, Matt, where do you have him in your dynasty rankings? If you have that handy, I don't know if you do. If you don't, you can filibuster and ask me. Tell me where you have him. No, I got it. I always got the dynasty ranks not too far. Love that. Uh, he's my uh, he's my six right now. Uh, I haven't I haven't bumped him up from the contract, but. You know he's right there. It's it's Mahomes, Jackson, Murray, Wilson, Allen, Dak, and and Watson, and, and they're all kind of in a very similar range for me. Uh, so I, I've always been a big Dak guy. I have him on probably I play mostly Superflex league, so I I have him on probably fifty percent plus of my rosters because I was getting him. We were just discounting him for years. Like we were just we were treating him as a outside QB one when he was finishing as a top five quarterback year in and year out. So 
uh, you can't pry him from my rosters. Now, I will say that hurt me a little bit last year when he went down with the injury. I had some really good teams that struggled through the finish line, but uh, man, I'm, I'm excited to get him back. And this is just good for Dallas, man. It's good for my CD Lamb shares. It's good all the way around. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I was just on the Four Corners pod with uh, uh, it's David Will Willsey, and uh, I was with Nick, uh, you know, Chalk and uh, Felix Sharp. And we were on the pod and I had mentioned that I had drafted, we did the, you know, last year was all the coronavirus leagues. You know, everybody who got Corona, you know, we all at home, we're all sitting there. We're like everybody, every, every other day it was, Hey, do you want to join a startup? So it was startup season all last year. Everybody's in their house just doing startups. And, and I have so much DAC in those leagues because you're right. You know, I felt like he was going to have a monster season. He was being discounted just slightly. Not really. He was still expensive, but he was slipping in the second round. And to me, that was like home run value. I mean, if I can get Dak in a super flex startup somewhere in that mid to late second round, it's like, holy smokes. So it was it was wheels up. And then, of course, he hurts himself. But, you know, Matt, we were right on the money. I saw when you said uh, that you were had him everywhere, Dan, uh, Lieutenant Dan and Dan Marino, both those guys were both just going nuts. Like he was just pumping his fist because – I think we all saw that coming. You know, anybody who pays attention to anything saw that that Dallas defense was going to be horrid. Now, I will I will say, y'all got to be a little bit uh, hesitant going into this year. I mean, things will change. It's not going to be like it was last year. I mean, literally Dak was on a pace for 6,500 yards throwing the ball. Uh, that probably won't happen. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe he'll get to five. I'm pretty sure he'll get five, five K, but 6,500, probably not in the cards, but that's where he was pacing. So, you know, you got to turn back, you know, some of the expectations, but I think he's going to, you know, Amari, CD, even Michael Gallup, I think. And this is a question I have for you, Dan, uh, Michael Gallup, uh, what's the situation there? I think he's what one more year and then he's unrestricted. Is he going to basically play out this year to get unrestricted? Is that the deal? Yeah, so he's he's under contract right now. Um, so he'll be a free agent uh, next year. Um, he'll be yeah unrestricted free agent next year. He's really cheap. I mean, right now he's he's only costing two point six million dollars. So he's gonna he's gonna do well for them. You know, I, I the talk really gets between you know are they gonna keep him or are they gonna try to extend uh, Amari. And I think, or, or cut, sorry, not extend Amari, cut Amari. Cause you know, next year he, you can cut there him. In 20, yeah. 6 million dead versus yep. 16 million saved. Um, I think a lot of us really like Gallup the player. So there's, yes, there's some interesting talk to be had of, you know, do they move on from Amari, save a bunch of money Sign Gallup for probably, I don't know, 10 to 15-ish. I don't know exactly what he's going to come in at. But, you know, there's money to be moved into made. So um, I think someone, someone out of that three, that trio is going to get dropped. And it wouldn't be crazy. No, and it's (laughs) it's going to be crazy. It might not be Gallup. Gallup might be there and it might not be Amari. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. Um, you know, I was looking at uh, Gallup's deal, and it, it'll all be what Gallup uh, is going to be demanding on free agency, right? In other words, <clears throat> they, they'd rather restructure Amari than to take a cap. Like, you know, the, if the cap hit plus Gallup equals what they'd pay Amari, then they're not going to, you know, that's not going to work. They're going to keep Amari and restructure. But if if the if that you know if if letting go of Amari and 
re-signing Gallup is less than, you know, then maybe they'll consider it. So I think that's pretty much the math there. But, um, you know, speaking of wide receivers, I thought it was pretty interesting. You know, I had, I had, I had, um, tweeted just before the uh, the free agent period and the and the tag deadline that Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin, and Kenny Galladay, and maybe even Juju, I knew he wasn't going to get it, but Juju and Will Fuller could all be good values at the tag, which is interesting because normally, you know, maybe they you wouldn't think that, you know, quarterbacks, edge rushers, tackles, and whatever, you know, those types of players usually get tagged more often. Uh, but Sure enough, Allen Robinson and Chris Godwin did get tagged, and really Kenny Galladay should have gotten tagged. I think the the relationship was just so bad with Kenny Galladay; they didn't want to have to deal with that. And you know, Chicago's kind of dealing with that with Allen Robinson, but um, you know, and I noticed Allen Robinson's tag number was closer to eighteen, and Godwin's was closer to sixteen. So you know, uh, both seem like good values to me for two really dope wide receivers. What what are your thoughts there? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, spot on. So Al, A-Rob, um, his, the reason why, you know, if you're curious, like why the two wide receivers at a different tag, you know, Allen Robinson's at 120% of, of his con of, you know, his previous contract. Um, I still think it's, they still feel like a tag and a trade possibility for Allen Robinson. Um, Chicago still need they're they're right now 17 million in a hole. So they need to clear that money just to, you know, cap uh, viable for the start of the league year um and they just they don't have a quarterback so it's almost wouldn't even shock me if if he's there but then he holds out and doesn't doesn't show up because he doesn't you know doesn't want to report it's like what are we gonna catch passes from nick Foles? like pass right just give me the hell out of here um godwin on the other hand uh he's he's a little bit less i think they're trying to just keep him there as long as brady's there like a two to three year deal, just like we'll give you a bunch of guaranteed money, throw in a void year or two to help spread us out. But let's just keep you here with Brady and then we'll let you go when we let you go. But at, they feel like very different commodities, even though they both got tagged. Yeah, totally. And uh, Matt, what are your thoughts there in terms of uh, how, how this affects, you know, the way you're thinking about? It? I mean, you get Allen Robinson with the Bears. I mean, I think if if we're holding Allen Robinson, we certainly didn't want him to get tagged. Uh, we really didn't want Kenny Galladay to get tagged. We'd rather see him go someplace else. That was great. We did want to see Chris Godwin get tagged. I think, are we wishing that he gets traded or is it possible? I think it's possible. I, I, I think Dan uh, Dan Marino makes a really good point uh, that it's possible he gets tagged. But, you know, you start thinking about the Darnell Moonies, the Quintez Cephas, and all these different you know, sort of uh, players that are in and around these decisions. And what what are your thoughts there, Matt? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I definitely uh, have a fair share, fair share of, of Mooney uh, on my rosters. And, you know, I think it's a situation where you, you know, if you like Darnell Mooney, you want him to be able to stretch the field and you don't want him pulling top coverage, right? So a, I think Allen Robinson in Chicago is, is better for, for a guy like Mooney and, even a guy like Anthony Miller, but we need the quarterback, right? I, I think that is the bottom line. You need to fix the quarterback situation. I was surprised uh, by Chicago's decision to tag Robinson. I mean, I know they want to keep I him was there, too. but uh, you know, there, there's a lot of guys in this year's uh, this year's draft that play, and I'm not, you know, I, I hate direct player comps, but 
you know, whether you want to talk Terrace Marshall, whether uh, you want to talk Rashad Bateman, there's guys that can fill into that boundary type role, kind of pull the coverage in a very similar way that Allen Robinson wins. And I kind of been thinking Chicago was going to go down that path. You know, you save a ton of money uh, drafting a, even a guy in, in day two of the draft instead of paying 18 mil for a player that doesn't want to be there. You know, it's it's an it was an interesting choice, but it seems like Chicago kind of has a really headstrong approach to organizational and, and roster building in general. You're right on the money. I, I, you know, hey, listen, Matt, I got something to tell you, though. This whole idea of Rashad Bateman and Terrace Marshall is completely incorrect. I can tell that you probably didn't uh, listen to – uh, my last podcast because Charlie Casserly mentioned that the Bears at twenty are going to take Kadarius Tony. Oh, yeah, they're going to take Kadarius Tony. Not only that, but you, let me just alleviate any of your fears because Charlie Casserly also told us in that mock draft uh, write up that Kadarius Tony is a better prospect than Justin Jefferson ever was. So don't no. worry, people. There is this. There is this. Uh, I don't know. It's hilarious. <laughs> There's the no chance. There, there is this, this fascinating divide between the NFL and fantasy football when it comes to Kadarius Tony. What like, the fuck? It is, like, if I see one more mock draft with Kadarius Tony in the first round for NFL, and, and I just did uh, I just did a mock draft, a, a rookie mock draft, and he went in the fourth round. <laughs> and I don't think that he's going to go the fourth round of your rookie drafts, but, like, he's not that good. If no. you need that much manufactured production at the college level, you're not going to be good in the NFL. You and you're no sure chance. as heck not going to be good in an offense like Chicago, which Ugh. is just not as creative as we'd like to pretend it is. Yeah, I mean, it's unbelievable. It's it's crazy. But, you know, that that's that's where the, the NFL sort of industrial complex is right now. But, mm-hmm. look, I agree with you. I think Terrace Marshall or Rashad Bateman both kind of comp to Allen Robinson again. They have to become that first. They can't just walk in right, and become right. you know they you know they 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 profile in that way. But you're right. I mean that would have been a cheaper way to go. Maybe a, a second round pick with you know a possibility of one of those kind of guys uh, falling to them with their second round pick, or maybe they move up a little bit and grab them or whatever. Right. But um, no. But if they trade Allen Robinson, that 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 could change everything. And you know, of course, I you know it's an interesting point with the Darnell Mooney. I, I would assume they were going to bring in somebody other than Allen Robinson anyway. I didn't think they'd roll with, you know, uh, Mooney and uh, Miller. That, that, that they don't have a, a a proper X at that point, so they would have had to bring in somebody. But good point that actually maybe with Robinson, uh, Mooney, Miller, and a quarterback would be nice. That would that would also help out. But uh, Dan, what do you got to say? Yeah, I think I, I think. Um the whole point is right. It would be far cheaper to go with that rookie. So the, you know, tagging him to, to hopefully facilitate a trade of some sort really is probably their best bet unless they can right. somehow find a way to convince, I don't know, like a Ryan Fitzpatrick or someone to, to come there and just sling it around the field. But realistically, why have Allen Robinson? If Nick Foles is your quarterback, it just, right. There's just, it doesn't make sense. So, uh, you know, I think, their quarterback situation is going to 100% determine what do they do with Robinson. Absolutely, I think you're right on the money. And and um, you know the the, the next uh, I think the the one that we're all sort of waiting for, um, you know, um, the 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 only running back worth sort of the big 
running back prize is Aaron Jones. And I was surprised that um, that Green Bay didn't franchise tag him. Um, <clears throat> why don't you speak to that first, Dan? Because I, I'd like to get your take on why they didn't or if you think there's not a good reason why they should have. I see. I, I don't know because they easily could have. I think his tag would have been a little over eight million dollars, which right. it's it's right for him. That's super cheap. Um, I, I know like their their cap space isn't the best, but it they're they're nine million under. But they you can get out of nine million, you know, in a heartbeat. Easy, so right? They and, easily, and if they tag him, they could have re-signed him too, right? They could have been like, hey, yeah. listen, you want you know, right? So I think they easily could have done it if they wanted to. I know that there was some report afterwards like, well, we're still going to try to work with him and they bring him in a free agency. So like, what the hell is the point? Then why would you not? Yeah. So I think they just wanted to move on. I think the report is just a news dump. Um, You know, for me, I, he, the, the jets, Miami, I think are both cause they have the money. They need a running back. Um, One of my spots that I love, they don't have the money right now, uh, but is Atlanta. I think he would be awesome for, you know, an offense like that. But uh, yeah. again, they just, they're, and so, you know, the Jets in Miami have all the money in the world to spend. The Falcons are 14 million under. So, you know, they have to make some moves. But I think those three teams would be really interesting for, for Jones to go to. And, and Matt, I'll kick it over to you with this question <clears throat> AJ Dillon, in, out. Sorry, I was just looking up to see if they could love Matt Ryan's contract and draft <laughs> Justin it. Fields, but yes. they can't. They cannot. Oh, great. <laughs> I was like, where can they find this money? No, yes. That's not going to work. That's maybe um, the better question, Dan. Where can they find this money? Uh, because you're right. Like I, I'm I'm wish casting that they go that Aaron Jones is there, right? <laughs> yeah. So I mean they they'd have to they'd have to try to restructure um, and, and turn some, some money into signing bonuses. So, you know, Matt Ryan, you'd have to try and, and kick out, but you know, they're, the, they're kind of talking about, do they want to move on from Matt Ryan, you know, in a year or two or three. So, you know, if he's someone or Julio Jones, right. If they try to restructure some of these guys, they can find the money to do it, but you're kicking out longer and bigger dead cap hits, you know, further and further down the line. So, you know the the money in the in the salary cap, and I can go on a whole salary cap as a myth tangent. Um, the money you can always find. It's how willing are you to accept large dead cap hits further and further on your books. When it, when it comes to Aaron Jones, though, and AJ Dillon, it's this is not like a profound take by any means, but like green Bay has always hated Aaron Jones. Like right. they, they never let him on the field as much as they should have. And I, I don't know, man, there's something about Aaron Jones where it didn't matter how good this dude was. They just hate Aaron Jones. So, you know, uh, good, good for Aaron Jones. Go out there and go somewhere. You're appreciated. Um, but, you know, for me, I'm in on A.J. Dillon. I, I thought he was a great value last year. You had, you know, when you drafted him, you knew you were waiting for him. And shout out to the A.J. Dillon truthers because I have, you know, I didn't get him. In, I think I got him in like one rookie draft last year. And I've been putting out trade offers everywhere and they are not budging. So good for you. You know, you draft your guy and oftentimes we're not patient enough with, with our rookie picks. But the A.J. Dillon owners, man, they, they are holding true. 
They are ready to reap the benefits of their patience, and I can't get him anywhere right now. And I've been offering, you know, some decent prices. So I think the overall uh, swell of confidence for for AJ Dillon is building up there now. They're going to bring back Jamal Williams. They love Jamal Williams. So there's going to be another guy and you know, they might even draft somebody like day three just to be a rotational back in there because I think they like to use, you know, multiple running backs. But, um, you know, I, I, I'm excited for A.J. Dillon season. You know, it's funny you say that. I, I've been <clears throat> I've been really willing to trade A.J. Dillon in a couple leagues that I have him and nobody's really rung the bell for me. So kind of interesting. But um, well, clearly hey, we need to be an elite together is yes. what I'm seeing because I'm, I'm going you. for him and, and no one's giving him up. Yeah, I would sell him to you. I mean, and look, you know, I'm always willing to buy and or sell. If it was the other way and you were like, I'm looking to sell him, I'd probably buy him. I'm just a degenerate. So uh, <laughs> no, but I, I am looking to sell him where I have him. I think, you know, I think some of the limitations that I that we sort of talked about on off the top, I don't think he's a pass catcher. Um, I don't think there's a difference between capable and not asked to. I don't know that he's a very capable pass catcher. You know what I'm saying? So that's my my trepidation there. But hey, real quick before we before you re- respond, you're right. I looked at um, over the cap and looked for uh, what it would take to get uh, Matt Matt Ryan off the books. It's a dead cap of forty nine, basically fifty million dollars. Yeah, they don't and add in add in Julio, who is another thirty nine. <laughs> So between Julio oh, and Ryan, it's an it's an eighty nine dollar <laughs> dead cap hit. So yeah, they they uh, they're not smokes. going anywhere. No, yeah. they're not going anywhere. These guys, they're yeah, they're not getting cut. They're they're gonna if if anything happens, they're getting just it's a full restructure. You know, yes. give you some signing bonus and and that's it. Because yeah, they're they're locked into that that team for <laughs> for a little bit while here. Locked um, in is the word, Dan. <laughs> I will say. In. Yeah, oh, go sorry. ahead. I would say, I, no, I will ahead. say for uh, Aaron Jones, what's going to be interesting is what his contract will be. Because when you look recently, all of these major running backs, Cook, Kamara, CMC, right? All of these guys, Mixon. those make those big money contracts, it's with the same team. They didn't go get right. paid on free agency. So the last one I can remember is Melvin Gordon. Uh, not quite the player that Aaron Jones is, in my opinion. I don't know what the NFL thinks, but um, you know what? He, what did he end up getting? I don't know if you remember. Uh, it's like it's six million, eight million. Eight, like not, yeah, eight, eight like was that. the number in my head. Yeah, yeah. Something. So like, yeah, here, let me two see. for sixteen or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's uh, yeah, seven million last year, eight point nine million this year. Yeah, sixteen million, two years, sixteen million. Bingo. So that's the thing. Like, he's. Is the, Aaron Jones with the running he, backs? It's period of time. You know what I mean? Like that's mm-hmm. that's what I think. And if I think they'd be willing to pay up a little bit, but I'm not giving Aaron Jones more than a two year deal, right? Like no, right? he might get maybe a two year twenty million because he doesn't. Yeah. I guess the thing going for him that Green Bay just didn't run the brakes off him. He's he's got fresh legs. So I mean, you can make a three or four a, a three or four year deal, but really, it's a two year deal in reality. Right. Yeah. You know, Which that is three or four most, year deal with the three or third or fourth year deal is, you know, I could get off it without, you know, any any issues. So Which yeah, is I like mean, look what Ingram's coming off of, right? Contracts. Oh, sorry. You know, like like the I was just gonna say the Ravens had Ingram locked up for three years, but they really only had him locked up for two years. They decided, you know, they had that option. They decided to go the JK Dobbins route. They didn't have to. They had one more year left if they wanted to use it. So and, and what that's the kind of effect what about the because now Houston is just reaping the rewards. <laughs> You know, that's oh, the yeah. Houston's the 
Yeah, average average age of thirty in that running back room right oh, now. <laughs> I don't know if you saw Beasy's tweet, but he put a tweet of grumpier old man out there. It was just so good. So yeah, absolutely. You and uh, you had the average age of thirty. I mean, Houston is now that guy in your league who like you can trade. You know what I mean? You're like, hey man, David Johnson, and they're like, yeah, dude, I'm in. You know, yeah, so, yeah. The, the team with AJ Green and David Johnson, and uh, yeah, all the old guys, Brown, Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> Come on, guys. 2014 was a good year. Okay. Come on. <laughs> uh, I think that was the last time David Johnson was relevant. Yeah. The, the, they'll, be, uh, they'll be signing Melvin Gordon in a couple of years. It's it's on, baby. Houston, <laughs> resurgence. We yeah. Send them, we got to send them Matt Ryan, right? <laughs> speaking, of, speaking of Houston, I want to get my takeoff on, on, um, uh, Deshaun Watson. There's a couple things going on. I, Dan, I want you to help me out because my take has been that despite our emotional uh, attachment to Deshaun Watson and despite the fact that we all want Deshaun Watson to have leverage, he doesn't. He doesn't have any leverage. He signed a contract not not even a year ago. He, if he doesn't play, he, it, the the year doesn't count. It starts all over next year. He has zero leverage. He has zero real leverage. The only real leverage he has is the emotional, you know, simps on Twitter who think that he does have leverage. That's it. It's just if we think he has leverage, that's his leverage. In other words, winning the media is the only thing he has. Now, that's not to say that I don't wish he had it. I wish to God that he would be somewhere else other than that awful franchise in Houston that continuously makes mistakes and has spoiled the career of, of Deshaun Watson. Like, I want to see Deshaun Watson play, like, almost anywhere else. I mean, they traded away his best receiver. I mean, they have just been awful all the way around. But what the hell is going to happen in Houston with no leverage, Dan? I mean, how does this kid get out of there? They, they keep saying they're going to keep him. And here's the problem. They can. They can just do that. They can just be like, yeah, you're a Houston Texan, dude. Keep Keep at it. Right, so what? T- tell the t- at least tell the listeners why he has no leverage, and 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 what the reality is. Whether or not Houston's a shitty organization, which we know they are, what's the reality? All right, so I'll answer the first question, then I'll I'll give my response because slight. I agree, but I disagree. Um, so he his CBA basically well with the CBA with the holdouts now the con- the year doesn't vest so. He can sit out and then it just doesn't mean anything. And so it's, it's a wash. Um, and then after that, they have the tag years. So in theory, they, they control his football career uh, for the next like seven or something years. Like, it's crazy. So um, in, in that sense, hundred percent, he doesn't have the power, Like he can th- threaten to, to sit out, to do all those things. And at the end of the day, like he can't just like sit out for two years and and come back and play like Houston controls his his playing career. Um, So and I know some that's you. I I know Randall, you know, FF Terminator um, have have really hammered that point, right? That he Houston, the organization has all the power. Don't give in to to Watson. Uh, I I understand all that and I get it. I just I disagree. Um, I think you know, like you're saying, like he, the only leverage he has is the court of public opinion. Uh, Bingo. He, he has a court of public opinion and which is pretty fucking big and uh, the players. And I think the players is what is going to be the key. The longer this drags on, it looks worse and worse and worse for that Houston front office. That's already known throughout the league as a shit show. So you get sure, into, but, but 
let me counter let me counter that because I've heard this argument that oh the players what about the players on that roster? Do you think the players on that roster want to want to sell them for pennies on the dollar so they can get their asses beat going forward? They've got the one of the best quarterbacks in the league. All the players in that locker room want that dude there now. They probably also sympathize with him because that that front office is a shit show. I'm not disagreeing with that, and but whether they trade him or keep him, nobody thinks that front office. Nobody's gonna be like they traded him. That's a classy organization. Bullshit. They they are an absolute shit show all the way around. They've been a shit show for the last two years. Just because they trade him for pennies on the dollar doesn't all of a sudden mean you know what? Let's go to that terrible franchise with no assets and sign there. That's not gonna fix Houston's front office. Houston's front office needs to be fixed in ways that, honestly, I don't think they can be. But that still well, doesn't affect that he doesn't have pennies leverage. on the dollar, though? I mean, pennies on the dollar. They're going to the Jets or going to Miami. They're getting a, a rookie quarterback, a two number the two, number three, plus. So I don't think that they're going to get pennies on the dollar. I think you have to. Let me ask you this. More, you have to Let cut the loss. Let me ask you this. You're, you and I are Patriots fans. <clears throat> If they announced tomorrow that we traded our next 10 first round picks for Deshaun Watson, would you be upset? No. Me neither. I would be like, sweet. We're we're so that's pennies on the dollar. They're gonna get like one or two first round picks and some bullshit, and they're gonna suck. That's what the reality is if they make this trade. With Deshaun Watson, at, at least they have something to build around. And but they've given him all the money. They're also gonna suck when he doesn't play. Because there there is a level to the point of he, his background, he does not come from a lot of money. He got a lot of guaranteed money. There's people within his group that says he'll just say, fuck it. I'm out and just be done with it. Now, whether or not we right. believe him or not, but they suck. They suck if he doesn't play too. So you That's have how to have the Houston offices though. Right. So like, yeah. like there's two things going on at once. Like I can have the conversation about just how shitty this whole Houston ownership front office coaching, like, Bill O'Brien, it's amazing. Like, we used to make fun of Bill O'Brien. He may have been the best thing about that whole franchise, which is inconceivable because he was a moron. So it's just it's, – it, it's absolutely amazing. But I'm just saying, he has no leverage. The only leverage he has is how shitty – two things. How shitty the Houston front office is, and we all feel bad for him. That's it. Mm. Just and to I put agree on record, it. those are two bits of, of leverage. That's it. Mm-hmm. No, and I, I I totally agree with you, and, and you're right. The, the organization does have, based on contracts, I just I think the best thing for the organization, the best thing for him, ship him, move him out, because at the end of the day, even if he shows up, he's not going to want to be there. Like, what's the best case scenario? You get him to play for a year, maybe up his draft value a little bit, or his trade value a little bit more, and, and trade him again. I think you just rip the Band-Aid, cut it off, and you got to move forward. But you're 100% I, right. Yeah. I, mean, I, I guess. I mean, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't. I don't see any other amicable re- resolution. And ultimately, here's the other thing too: if they, if they, if they miss this, so there's a window, and it's before this NFL draft, yes. where they can make this trade and like get a, a franchise quarterback to replace him, plus other assets, and like kind of sell it as, look what we did. Whereas if they, if they get past the draft, then they have a whole nother situation where it's like. Well, now, now what do they get? They get like 2022 first rounders, which are so far in the future that they're going to look like donkeys for doing it. So you're right. They have this window now where they can actually come out, not smelling like roses, but maybe smelling like, you know, the fertilizer you put on roses 
And, you know, uh, but if they pass that, they, they, they're donkeys. And well, and to the 22 point, I, I mean, you guys are the, the dino experts here above myself. I'll put, I'll say it. Well, who's the top 2022 quarterback? Who's the top, I don't know. I mean, you know, are any of them as good as right now, the top couple guys in this class? Well, they're certainly not good because it's kind of like I always say, you can't play a 2022 first round pick in your RB2 slot, right? Oh, no, so no, like I mean, I mean, real life. Who's who like- knows? My, my point is, who knows, right? Like, yeah. you know, we all thought Herbert was the guy, then he wasn't, then he was, you know, these things can change. So we can say this or that guy is going to be, but you're right. There's not a Trevor Lawrence. Mm-hmm. So, but, but, but even still, they could trade for those 22 first and still, and they could end up being like the 17th pick. Like yeah. they could fuck this up even worse is the point, you know, like they didn't slow this. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, I guess it's what the kid from North Carolina or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Who can, you know, the point is they still don't have a guarantee of getting that kid, you mm-hmm. know? So, you know, maybe it's a trade with Miami. They get to a, I just think they're screwed no matter what they do. Like that, that, uh, that much I'll agree with. Like whether Deshaun stays, which is why Deshaun wants to leave in the first place. Mm-hmm. He's recognized how shitty this whole situation is since he's signed the contract. You know, they specifically, the Houston, you know, they, they made Bill O'Brien the GM just so they could save money because they wanted Nick Casario to be their GM and he mm-hmm. was under contract for another 10 months. So what did they do? They're like, we don't have a GM. What a cheap, fucking awful way to run a business is like let's just punt a year of nfl i mean just they've been inconceivable the whole time but that being said i just wanted to say like you know yeah i'd love to see him get traded like if you ask me would i rather him get traded of course like are you kidding me it's way better like wherever he goes even the jets who are also kind of dog shit but that'd be a better situation than than where he's at now so i'm with you 100 percent. but i just don't I, i you know they fucked this up so much already, Houston. I don't know what they're going to do to make it right going forward. Matt, you going to fix them for us? Let's get you in there. Here's fix- the problem. They don't they don't have any draft picks, so I can't fix them. They don't, they don't draft to the third round. Third round, exactly. Yeah, 78 or something like that. So, so bad. It's so bad. They're that, that they're that dynasty orphan that no one will take even if the next year is paid. That's what- yeah, yeah, they're the orphan from the jerk in your league who trades away all their future picks for crap players, and then when it doesn't work out, they bail. Yeah, we, you know, <laughs> and literally they only have Deshaun Watson, and you're like, well, I guess I got to trade him forever. You know, yeah, it's just nonsense. So let's move on because, you know, I think that I think we'd all love to see him get traded. There's no doubt about that. We all want to see that happen. We all want to see it happen before the draft. We want him to change teams. Um, but that also brings me to his his running mate, Will Fuller. Um, I think he's a, a little underrated. I mean, obviously he's been taking steroids, so he should be a little bit healthier going forward. Um, you know, God bless him. He would get hurt all the time. He took the steroids. He didn't get hurt, but he got caught for the steroids. The kid can't win. But, I mean, he's really fucking fast. Am I right? He's fast, man, but uh, the best the best uh, ability is availability. So, uh you know, I don't. I don't have Will Fuller anywhere, and and I don't know that I'll I'll go and pay for him. You know, maybe if he comes around cheap in a, in a startup league, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what the NFL values him at. They usually don't pay a lot for guys that haven't stayed on the field. So hopefully he lands in an offense that kind of you know matches his fantasy football potential. You know, somewhere where we got a gunslinger and he could spread the field. I totally agree with you. By the way, um, 
you know, so we'll move on. I, I, I'm with you. I, I'm not a huge uh, Will Fuller fan, but here's the question I've got for you, uh, Dan. And, you know, I was listening to, you know, everything happened and, and, and the Donald Parham music started playing for me. And I just, my body was ready for it. He's now the only tight end on the, and I'll never get used to saying this, the LA Chargers. Um, you know, what, do you have any inkling as to why they didn't tag Hunter Henry? No. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he, it's like another, another weird one. Like it would have made a lot of sense. Um, they, they have the money to, to do it. They're like, it's not, they don't even to, they don't even need to free up money. They had the money to do it. So why not keep a good tight end for your brand new, I mean, year one, year two, now quarterback, Justin Herbert. Um, I don't, it makes way more sense to tag him. I mean, I guess maybe they're super sold on Parham and like they see something that we all maybe kind of do, but not super really. I, you know, XFL legend, Donald Parham. Yeah, like, all right, let's go, baby. I'm so excited. Unless I love these Donald Parham. Yeah. Maybe they're just too afraid of Henry. Just, you know, another guy that availability, not always there. Um, I just, that's an easy tag to make. And then just it really is. Here. I don't know that that one was very curious to me for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you think it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that the cap didn't go up? Um, for, for some teams I would, but not for them. Cause they have, they're in the, you know, they're in the black. They, uh, they're at like what? 30 mil, million? Yeah. 30 30 million. Million? Yeah, so like they have the money. What's a tight end tag? Like a tight end tag isn't anywhere near as bad as some of these other spots. Like seven um, or eight mil or something like that. Uh, nine point six million for a tag, which he's probably a ten million. Nine point six. Yeah. For, I you tag him for you tag him for nine point six. Right. I would. He's gonna get ten. Yeah. I mean, John, who's yeah, gonna, probably gonna, gonna get, get 10. ten. I mean, yeah. Even if it's a wash, I think you you tag him. And help out your young quarterback. Yeah, it's interesting. So, <clears throat> do we? Do we? Do we? Are we buying Don? I mean, look, we're not buying Donald Parham. Are we buying Donald Parham as? Look, because here's the thing: you either have Donald Parham, and you're happy you have him in Dynasty. <laughs> you're not buying him in Dynasty, but are we buying that he's actually going to be something? That's what I mean. Listen, you either have Donald Parham or your team sucks. I mean, there's no in between. You know, you, you it's the haves and the have-nots. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not. What are you talking about? He's what not, is the you, know, you had he, me going? I was I was fucking jumping up and down, Matt. Well, he's XFL legend Donald Parham, right? From Stetson so, College. I you, mean, this kid is I mean, a legend. You need him on your team, but also he's not going to help your team. But you need are him you on sure? your team. He's the player of champions, man. I think he might be something. I mean, oh. look these these tight ends: Antonio Gates, yeah. basketball player, like George Kittle, fifth round pick. Like these tight ends, man, they're 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 not as you know as chalky all the time. Sometimes you know you just need the body and a little athleticism and stay healthy, and boom, you're you're a tight end. Gary Barnage had a year one year. Darren <laughs> Waller came out of drug addiction. Seriously, Darren Waller was like Gonzo, man. He was a wide receiver at Georgia Tech completely fucked up his life but he is a size speed specimen and now he's tight end three like i mean i'm just saying parm has a shot he caught 
a touchdown on 30% of his receptions last year. Don't ask any more context about that stat. Don't dig Sounds into it. Sounds sustainable to me. <laughs> he, he definitely he definitely did not only have 10 receptions, but he had three touchdowns on those 10 receptions. That's a 30% touchdown rate, you know? He you also got, dropped like a game winner, number. too. He dropped a game winner. Oh, I don't know if nope, he dropped didn't it. Happen. Didn't you happen. saw that? Nope. No, I agree nope, with didn't, you. Nope. The bad Never throw. Bad throw. I'm with you. Look, I'm a, I'm a huge Parham fan. I, you know, I'll just tell you, I, in every league I have them, and every league I don't have them, I look up and it's either Rhinos. Y'all know Ryan Loesch, <laughs> real course. Rhinos. It's either Rhinos or Term. Those two guys, every league. It's either me, Ryan, and Term. Every single league I'm in, I've got them, or those two little sons of bitches have them. So I'm in. You know, I'm into I'm into Donald Parham. But you know, the, I don't think I'm just going to guess. I don't think the the folks are tuning in to hear us talk about Donald Parham. Although they probably are. They should but be. <laughs> they should be. The one thing. Listen, hey, the, the next one I'm going to talk about is something that the guys. I had more Twitter sort of engagement over this one than anything. People were like, bro, why didn't you why aren't you victory lapping right now? Because John Brown got released. And uh and yeah, it feels good, man. Gabriel Davis season is upon us. I told y'all it was coming. And uh Matt, just tell everybody why I'm correct. Oh man, dude. I have uh nearly nearly a hundred percent of Gabriel Davis on my yes! Gosh, it was I was I was screaming from the yes. mountaintops last year. Gabriel Davis, man, such a good tape evaluation. It was a perfect fit in Buffalo. And the thing about it, you go back and watch the Buffalo games from last year. They oh. tried so hard to get him on the field. They were doing everything to get him on the field. So, and that's when John Brown was 100%. So Correct. moving on from John Brown, man, it is Gabriel Davis season. Now here's the Wheels thing. Up. It's too late. If you don't have him, you're not going to want to pay the price. You got to pay for him right now. So you needed to have drafted him last year. You need to have been already on the train. But those of us who are driving the train, man, it, it it's, it's going off the rails right now because oh. that's a hit, man. And hey, there's going to be this year's Gabriel Davis in your rookie drafts, right? You know, that's why you trade for those third round picks. I got Gabriel Davis third, fourth round all Everyone. last year. Everyone. Easy money. So there's got there's gonna be guys like that this year. So that's what you should be doing. You should be buying those picks. Don't chase the Gabriel Davis value. You already missed on him. Oh my God. This this is the greatest thing. Like I, look, Matt, I have this is the 28th episode. Gabriel Davis. You just, I mean, you complete me. You complete me, Matt. This was amazing. Gabriel Davis, all day long. So day. I was, I That's was saying probably not last good, year. I, no, it's totally good. You know it's good. No, Come on I, now. I gotta, go, I gotta be a go wet Dan. blanket. I gotta be a wet blanket. Looks really good. Go love it, it. Love it. Love it. I think I might want to pump the brakes a little bit here. Uh, at the end of the day, Cole Beasley still exists and that's you know Josh Allen's favorite number 2. He likes throwing it deep. He'll get his. They also want to improve their tight end spot. Ertz, Janu, Henry. I they're not still like a crazy passing offense. You know, Josh Allen for as amazing as it looked, he had probably right it has to be the most insane skill jump we've ever seen at the NFL level, right? from going a sub 60% completion to almost 70, that's going to come back down. Pass attempts, maybe. I just, I like Davis the player, 
I think I want to pump the brakes a little bit based on the people that are around him. That's just me. I Look, think Beasley I, is still the number two there. Just saying. Let, let me let me just let me just do this. I, I'm gonna we're gonna cut out that last statement by Dan Matt. We're just gonna cut it out. Don't <laughs> just worry. Cut his mic, man. What it, is cut this? his mic. Listen. What is this listen, negativity? Listen to this. Listen. One of the things you said something that was all about what I was talking about. So September 19th, 2020. It was right after week one. I had mentioned uh, about Gabriel Davis. You said something that I thought was so smart, which was, I basically, here's the tweet. I said at 6'3", 215, Davis has prototypical alpha size, speed, and athleticism. The Bills love this kid, and he ran 24 routes in week one. You could tell that they wanted to get him involved. Uh, And I said, let's see if he makes a splash in the next couple games. Of course he did. But what you said was they tried to get him involved, and they did. That's, That's a huge point. That when I, what was interesting is I was a kind of a big Gabriel Gabriel Davis fan and I would watch that first game week one and he was on the field on the first drive and he was the first target. And I was like, wait a second. They're sort of like force feeding. I think they think he's something. And I think it's going to be Diggs and Gabriel Davis going forward and you better be ready for it. Look, Beasley is a nice little player, actually, and he's going to play that slot role. But it's going to be Diggs and Gabe Davis, you know, one and two, and 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 Beasley in the slot. But Gabe Davis is going to see a huge, huge uptick. He's going to be, you know, WR two next year is my my sort of prediction here. I dig it. Yeah, of course we do. You know, and Dan, the only reason, look, the only reason Dan is against this shit is because he owns zero shares because he didn't listen to this podcast before he dropped the two-on-one and came to the undroppables. Now he's late to the train. He's willing to he's willing to buy the new guys coming in this year, but not those damn guys he missed last year. Am I right, Dan Marino? Listen, I'm just saying, Stephon Diggs, 166 targets. Cole Beasley, 107 targets. Last year, Beasley had 106 targets. The dude is going to see it. At the end of the day, I'm just saying, I so, don't know the, the, so, the amount of of targets that he's going to have to capitalize on. So last year, Gabriel Davis played 872 offensive snaps, Beasley 818. So he outsnapped him in his rookie season. So all those targets that you're, that you're pointing out are, are good. And, and Beasley's going to continue to play, but Gabriel Davis is going to be on the field and he, and he's going to be, he's going to get those targets going forward. Um, and also, He's he's their sort of he's their sort of touchdown maker too. So he did score a lot of touchdowns last year. I think he's going to also be a, a target in the red zone again. Um, but you know, look, it's easier just to join us than to fight us. Join the dark side, Luke. It is your destiny. I I promise you, you're going to be with us. All Listen, right, moving if, along. If you can't have a little fun, what's the point? I love it. One of the reasons I love Dan is he's an East Coast prick like me, and he's willing to argue it out, and I love that. I love my boy. So, um, you know, look, we were going to talk a little bit about some of these free agents. We might hit on them quick. I would just say this. Like, is there anybody that you guys want to talk about moving, changing teams? I've got one I'll start. You guys can take it from here. So, for me, it's Juju Smith-Schuster. Juju is, you know, one of these – one of these guys that's hitting free agency at an incredibly young age. Um, he's definitely not going back to the Steelers. That's not even not even a close thing to happen. He is, let me just look here real quick. He is 
He is 24 years old. Um, I, I'm not saying he's an elite player. I don't know what he is, is my point. But he was an elite prospect. What, what are we thinking about uh, Juju, Juju Smith-Schuster? Where do you think he might go? Or, or what are we thinking is going to happen with Juju? Send him to Vegas, man. That's I would love to see him in Vegas. They they got some money. They got thirty three mil in cap space right now. You know he's probably going to cost a pretty penny. But you got to think they they're looking for another weapon on that offense. And save my Henry Ruggs shares because Henry Ruggs is never meant to be the top guy, right? You need somebody else pulling coverage, and you can move Juju all around the field. You got Brian Edwards there who could play on the outside, so you could kind of. Let him play that prototypical X role, but really give your volume to Juju. You got Ruggs stretching the field. Uh, man, that's that, that would be my ideal landing spot for Juju. And, and I'd probably get in on him for the first time. I've never had Juju on a dynasty roster but because uh, he's always been priced so high. But I, I'd get in on him. I, I'd pay up there if he ends up in Vegas. That'd be fun. Damn, that's a good call, man, uh, because you're right. It would be you know Edwards at that prototypical X uh, Juju in the slot and Rugs at stretch Z, and that's a really good alignment with Waller. I don't, I don't hate it to be honest with you. And you know, with how quick uh, Carr gets rid of the ball, do, do they have cap room? What do you think about that, Dan? And uh, what are your thoughts about Juju? Yeah, yeah, the Raiders could 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 swing it for sure. Um, I think right now, I, I think Matt, you just said seven, uh, what thirty three? Um, yeah, I, yeah, okay. I've got him at thirty three. Oh, Andrew, okay. So I'm seeing them at a slightly lower number, uh, but they, you know, might just not be updated on on my end for OTC. Um, they could definitely make it work, and you know, they the Raiders have you know Mariota. They should get rid of for which should open up even more room. Uh, I don't mind the Raiders call. I think we could just take the Raiders and take the next step up to an even better team. And why not make it Kansas City? Ooh. Oh, I mean, if Damn, we're going to talk dirty, that's if, spicy. If, if we're going to do it, let's just let's go big, fellas. I mean, Tyreek, that's why, that's why Juju, they cut both Kelsey. of their tackles today. For Holy Juju. shit. Yeah. Talk about that, Dan. Holy smokes. I mean, I, I, I think I tweeted at you. I was like, it looks like Remmers solidified his spot. Yeah. Wild, wild. <laughs> um, but to their point, so they have they have a few contracts that actually won't be that hard to restructure and actually open up a, a ton of money. Um, and I think Kansas city specifically is a team that they can convince some dudes to say like, Hey, come take a little bit less, come take a one, two year deal. Let's go win a couple of championships. Um, but you know, cutting all their O linemen seems insane, but you know, Brad wire, our O line guy had a tweet out even today at this chart. Uh, and I've been talking with him nonstop in the DMS, the, the O line movement that we're going to see this off season is going to be insane there are so many you know good to above average to great offensive linemen that are going to be available um you know it seems crazy that like how did kansas city that just got ransacked in the super bowl cut (laughs) cut these dudes they're going to be fine because they're going to be able to sign these dudes it's a really good offensive line draft um you know i think it looks crazy now but in two or three months that offensive line is going to look way better yeah, Plus and, and it, yeah, no, that's good. that's great. Plus Juju, yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, everybody wants to mock, uh, you know, some sort of wide receiver to the Kansas City Chiefs just because it's so much fun, and because I mean, the only thing I would say is obviously they have Mecole Hardman. 
that you're going to have to usurp. I'm just joking. Sorry, Mecole. Too soon? Too soon? I'm sorry. I was yeah. never a Mecole fan, so let's just move on. But um, what's interesting, though, to your point, is what a year to be you know, following the undroppables and going to the undroppables.com. Why? Because we do have Dan, who talks about contracts, and we do have Brad Wire, who honestly probably one of the best offensive line evaluators and rankers and analysts in the fantasy football um you know f- uh, uh you know uh, field i mean he's 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 just putting that uh information out there it's actionable and quite frankly you know we probably should have been paying more attention to offensive line and defensive line play going into that super bowl cuz you'd have made more money betting the game so you know at the end of the day we can see how important it is how important it was obviously mahomes is the greatest player on the planet uh but couldn't do much because he was you know literally throwing from you know uh horizontal positions or whatever uh vertical horizontal horizontal that's this way right i I didn't graduate i didn't graduate college i mean i i'm you know (laughs) i was in there but mostly just uh drinking all right so moving on i i you know i can't have matt here much longer and 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 not get to some rookies so I'm going to just throw some stuff out there. I'm just going to go there. And, and if we want to talk a little bit more about, um, you know, uh, the, 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 the free agents, feel free. But Matt, Dan, you both get to answer this because I am dying of curiosity. Obviously, we probably all have Trevor Lawrence at number one. But I am just curious, in a super flex rookie draft, if you had to, what wh- you know, and maybe you have some analysis behind the rankings. Maybe you have tiers. Maybe you have this or that. But who do you got in your top five? How do you rank those top five uh, dynasty rookie quarterbacks for the 2021 class? Matt, let's hear it, man. Yeah, you said quarterbacks specifically. Yeah, just those. Just those. I mean, look, if you have Kellen Mond up at the top like Chris Sims does, don't be bashful. Put oh, him boy. up there. Oh boy, no, 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 certainly not. Well, of course it's Trevor Lawrence at number one. That's pretty easy. We don't, we don't have to get spicy here. Nope. Uh, uh, Justin Fields is my locked and loaded number two. Uh, he's closer to one than he is three for me. It's, it's really, it's not even a conversation. He has a uh, great mechanical foundation. He's got a great arm. He has great mobility. Uh, number three for me is Trey Lance. So I have Trey Lance over Zach Wilson, who I have at four. And I've had this discussion a lot when it comes to Trey Lance versus Zach Wilson. But at the end of the day, it comes down to the way you play fantasy football. Uh, Trey Lance, there is no guarantees with him. He's a raw prospect. Uh, but, you know, if, if you're worried about experience, guess what? He has the same amount of games played as Mac Jones. All right. Uh, both They both have 17 career games in college. Uh, but Trey Lance, man, he's got everything you want. He's got the arm. He's got the athleticism. We just need to hone in those mechanics a little bit. We need to work on a little bit of the mental processing side of the game, but he has a really high football IQ. They they require that at North Dakota State. So uh, there's a lot to like about Trey Lance. Zach Wilson, he's fun, man. He's a gunslinger. Um, I'm just worried uh, kind of what an NFL team is going to ask him to do. I don't think it's going to work out for fantasy. So, uh, you know, he comes in at four. And then, you know, number five is if you have to, <laughs> it's Mac Jones. I don't love Mac Jones. I'm not a fan. I think he has uh, terrible pocket presence, really inconsistent mechanics, uh, not as good of an arm as maybe some folks want to give him credit for. But, you know, he could be fine if he lands in the right spot. You know, he could be a, a good game manager and he could get the, the job done to a degree. But 
you know, it's it's really it's it's Lawrence and Fields tear break, uh, Lance and Wilson tear break, uh, Mac Jones hanging out by himself there. Well, Dan, before I go, I'd love to hear just your thoughts on on those top five um, because you know maybe maybe it's similar, maybe it's different. Yeah, so you know, for for me, and you know, I'm still doing kind of my own quarterback, you know, watching it and trying to do it out. So, but where I'm at currently, uh, I'm right with you. The top two, T Law and Fields. You know, I think those guys really have separated themselves from the pack. I think they look really good. Um, but for me, my my next three are are in a bit of a different order. Um, you know, I I personally I really like what I see from Mac Jones. You know, I, I think he has great. Uh, touch on the ball. I think he has really good anticipation. Um, you know, I still do want to see more velocity with some of his throws and see how far he can really zip it down the field. Uh, that is something that I've been pretty outspoken with. Like, I'm still not really sure, you know, how I feel about him in that sense. But, you know, being able to look uh, at, you know, the field, drop it in, I think that's really good for him. Um, between Lance and Wilson, um, my my big concern, and I have concerns with both, and I think you touched on both of them really well. You know the rawness and, and everything. Um, I like Lance, the, his body in regards. He's just kind of like a big dude. He can throw. He can run. Um, my big concern with Lance is just you know the one year, and I get Mac Jones, but it's one year, and he hasn't played in a year, and it's been hasn't played in a year. He's going from a one double A to the NFL. You know I, I love the athleticism. I'm worried about the jump, and I'm really worried about the jump when. He hasn't when he didn't have 2020, you know, that's just something that scares me where he's definitely a project player. And, you know, if I'm, if I'm taking him in a rookie draft, I want to take him in a team where like he ideally isn't starting for that first half, maybe that entire first year. And he can just learn. And I don't care. I'll burn a first. If he, if he goes to like the 49ers or the Patriots mm-hmm. or something like that, I'll, I'll gladly burn an early first because I trust the organization to do the right thing. Um, so, and Wilson, I, I honestly just haven't watched enough of his tape to give a, a meaningful take on a podcast that I want to give. So that's kind of where I'm at with those four. That's fair enough. And, and, and it's, it's super tough. I mean, the one thing I'll say, and Matt, you may agree with this is like the NFL gets it wrong every, all the time. And, you know, we get it wrong all the time. And I think that it's because it's really hard, you know? So, you know, I think for me, you know, I lean into uncertainty and I try not to, you know, you know, even when, you know, when I'm talking with friends, I'll definitely be certain and and be a blowhard. But when I'm talking on this podcast, I got to really have the take that I believe in because it's going to be on wax. And I will say that if you if you think about these quarterbacks, for me, it's like Trevor Lawrence, one, and then the other four is the way I look at it. And I'm not saying that – for me, it's like they all – even Trevor Lawrence has you know warts or, or things that you're like, oh, okay, maybe this could be a problem or that could be a problem. But basically, Trevor has everything that you'd want in a prospect. And so here's the way I see it. It's like with – it kind of goes like if you look at Konami code – it's like Fields and Trey Lance have that. Trevor Lawrence has that. Zach Wilson kind of has that. Mac Jones really doesn't. But if you talk about, you know, accuracy, throwing throwing the ball down the field, you know, if you just look at uh, completion percentage and yards per attempt, you see Mac Jones at the top, and and so it sort of reverses. And so I think what needs to happen at the NFL level is you have to be able to be a pocket passer 
as a quarterback in order to survive. If you can survive as a pocket quarterback, and then you have the Deshaun Watson, Dak Prescott, you know, break the pocket and run for 30 on third and nine, now you're like elite. But just because you have, you know, Daniel Jones is pretty fast. Uh, sometimes a 20-yard line will get him. Uh, but, but you know, he he's pretty fast. But he's not that Konami code quarterback that we're talking about because he just, you know, he just doesn't have the ability in the like what is he fumbled like every other play like you know he just doesn't have it right so he's not good enough to 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 let that konami code you know make him elite it's just like ah he's just not gonna same thing happened with mariota to some degree right like mariota was such a gifted player like he was i mean let's face it when he came out i think a lot of us would have had him 101 because he was such a good good player and he had all the all the Konami code uh, ability. You know what's the difference between Mariota and Fields as prospects? I don't know. Like I'm not saying I don't like. I, I love Mariota. Is the point? I'm I'm still kind of intrigued by him, even as a late breakout again. So for me, it's like as a fantasy player, I'm more confident that maybe you know Lance and Fields give me that upside, and even Zach Wilson a little bit to that degree. I've I've watched some Lance. I mean, uh, some Zach Wilson film and. Kids actually, man, he impressed me, you know, and one of the reasons I, I, I made fun of Chris Sims, uh, you know, I guess he changes his rankings every five, five weeks to make sure that he gets it right at some point. It's like a Rubik's cube. He just keeps fucking with it um, till they all line up. But and they can look back. Look, I had it right at one point. Uh, but but um, he did have Zach Wilson at one. I, I, I was like, what? But when I went and watched that Zach Wilson film, he's got a very lively arm. He can reach the outside, you know, parts of the field. Um, he's got a quick release. He seems to be in command of that offense and he's got some escapability and wheels. So I don't know, man, I had Zach Wilson at five in my rankings, but you could easily convince me. Like if you guys made a a strong case, I could move him up. So I think my advice and this is the way I'm going to play it is I'll just take the one that, that falls to me, right? Like I'm happy to take the one that's there and I'm, you know, I'm not going to trade up for Justin Fields. I'll just take whomever is there at one, four, one, five, one, six, one, seven, one, eight. Look, those guys are slipping Mac Jones sometimes into the second round of some super flex mocks I'm seeing. That's fine with me. Cause I think they're all going to be drafted in the top 15 of the real draft. And uh, so, so for me, it's like, take the one that's there. I mean, when you're when you're the the thing to keep in mind, especially when it comes to quarterbacks, there are no guarantee. There's no safe prospects. Uh, but when you take that to the quarterback level, there are no safe prospects. So one of the biggest mistakes you can do, you know, playing in superflex formats, is you draft a quarterback because you think they're safe. It's just not. It doesn't work that way. It's such right. a hard position to be successful in. Like. If you wanna, if you wanna try to sound smart as a scout, just go ahead and say that you hate every quarterback because right. you're gonna hit more times than not, right? Because it's a, it's such, a, and you need development at the next level. All these guys need development. Trevor Lawrence needs it. Trey Lance needs it. Um, you know, Zach Wilson needs it. And so all of these guys need development at the next level. They need the right system that's gonna put them in the right spot. You know, Josh Rosen, I didn't like Josh Rosen coming out, but he didn't have a shot. You know, he got tossed right. all around. He he had to learn all these different playbooks. You know, he didn't have a shot. So two terrible tough, offensive man. lines, right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it's so difficult to be a successful quarterback in the NFL. 
So if you're, you know, figure out which guy you like. Uh, if you like Zach Wilson, if you like that gunslinger ability, great. But if you're drafting Zach Wilson because you think he's a safer pick than Trey Lance, that's bad process because I agree. he's not. He's not any safer. And let me tell you, if I, I hope, right, because I like Justin Fields and I like Trey Lance, uh, there's nothing I want more than for Zach Wilson to fall on the Jets grenade for us all, right? <laughs> right. Like, so, let's, so let actually, you, let's let you trash your fantasy football value, and let's get Justin Fields and Trey Lance to Atlanta and Carolina and let me ride that out. Yes. So that's my – actually, I have a question for you, Matt. So to that point, because, you know, based on your rankings, let's say Zach Wilson goes, um, right, to the Jets – and Mac Jones goes to San Francisco or the Patriots, right? A much better organization, you know, take out Jimmy G and right. He's the one of there. Does that landing spot change anything for you because of coaching and, and organization and, and all of that? Yeah. So landing spots definitely important, but I will say like in, in terms of tape evaluation, Mac Jones is, is far for me, far below those those other four guys. So, you know, looking at Mac Jones a little bit more, uh, he, he does, so first and foremost, right, when it comes to fantasy football, if you don't have mobility or athleticism, at least at some level, that's a huge knock in my process because, you know, it, it's just so much easier to be a successful fantasy football quarterback specifically if you have mobility, and he doesn't. It's not even about athleticism. Like, he is stiff. Uh, and, and he's going to live in the pocket at the next level. Uh, his pocket presence is, is really poor for me. So for somebody who's going to live in the pocket, I don't think he's very comfortable in it. Uh, consistently, like infuriatingly consistently, when you, when you watch Mac Jones tape, and, and I've watched too many games of Mac Jones, and I'm just screaming at, at, at my computer because he throws off his back foot every play. And that's not bad mechanics. That's him feeling pressure that doesn't even get close to him. And he's playing behind the best offensive line in the country at Alabama. And he's feeling that pressure on every single play. Feeling ghost pressure, as I call it, or phantom pressure, as you hear it called, it's one of the worst things for a quarterback, in my opinion, to feel. Because if you feel that at Alabama, behind those skill guys compared to what he's playing against, you are going to feel it in the NFL and you're going to make some really bad decisions because you're going to throw the ball away too quickly. So, you know, that in and of itself. And I think one of the things, um, you know, we really, I think, oversell his accuracy. The amount of times he underthrows receivers at Alabama, uh, you know, I Devonta Smith and Jalen Waddle have great ball tracking scores for me because they have to follow that ball all around the field. Um, and so, Mac Jones, man, the red flags are, are all over the place. Now, that being said, right, um, I told you that that Justin Fields and Trey Lance are, are over Zach Wilson. If Zach Wilson ends up in Carolina, man, that's a dream for a quarterback position landing with Joe Brady. One of these guys is, is going to land in Carolina, right? Like one of those one of those guys that we've talked about is going to land in Carolina, and they're going to get a bump from me because it, it's it's such a quarterback friendly system with some ridiculous weapons ready to inherit. So you definitely have to adjust based on landing spot. But for me, Mac Jones is is in a clear you know drop off for me in, in terms of tape grade. So like Mac Jones in my tape grade, he's a seventy seven out of a hundred. Zach Wilson, who's the who is quarterback four, he's an eighty two. That's a huge gap in in my evaluation uh, to the point where Mac Jones for me, you know, the only thing that makes him fantasy football relevant is that he's going to get first round NFL draft capital. If he didn't go day one, he'd be a total afterthought for me. 
Well, there you have it. I mean, Matt's not holding back at all right there, baby. He's got the take, and it's fire. And and I don't know if I agree with him or not, but I'm glad he shared it because it's making me think about it for sure. You know, I know that, um, you know, the quarterback position for me is the toughest one to evaluate, which is why I copped out and said, just take the last one or whatever. But, you know, I mean, it it is, man, because, you know. listen, they can't all be Donald Parham, all right? They can't all be Donald Parham. I mean, he should play quarterback, but it's kind of like last year. It's kind of like last year, Matt. You know, I mean, everybody faded Herbert, and you know what? I mean, who's taking Tua over Herbert right now? Like, literally zero people, right? So, you know, we all got it wrong. Like, literally everybody. The NFL, everybody. Like, everybody got it wrong. Now, maybe you had Herbert. Not me. I was going to (laughs) say no, I didn't. I loved Herbert. I love. I was one of the few people, and and I and I will tell you, man. Like, I have no problem taking my Justin Herbert victory laps, and I have on Twitter multiple times because um, if, if you look at any tweet that that I'll, I'll bump, loving Herbert, look at the comments, and everybody was crapping on Herbert ahead of time, man. And for me, it was there. It was always there. The arm was there. The mobility was there. Uh, you know, the you, ha- you had him above Tua. There. I didn't have him above Tua, no. No, that's Tua, fair. I still have Tua above Justin Herbert because I, I love Tua. I think Tua's – I mean, he's one of the best quarterback prospects that I've evaluated second to Trevor Lawrence. So I, I still have Tua higher. But, wow. um, you know, Justin Herbert was was right there in that same tier. You know, I didn't I didn't break those guys at a different tiers. Despite Did the you have them both people, above Burrow? Uh, I, Tua, Tua, Burrow, Herbert, yeah. Yeah. But in the same tier. So – um, I was definitely, you know, I, I got Justin Herbert everywhere. It was great. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Herbert was very easy to attain because everybody was sleeping on him for sure. And you know, um, so yeah, no, that that that's that's very cool. I love that. Um, you know, let let's move to the wide receiver position. Um, I, you know, now I'm curious because you're 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 inviting me in. So I'm going to give you my guy that I think is being completely undervalued at this point. And that's Tylen Wallace. Yes, Tylen Wall. I mean, what the hell is going on? Like this kid just goes out and like literally in the last three seasons in a row, he's averaged over a hundred yards a game. He's played in good systems, bad systems. He tore his ACL. He comes back. He's awesome. Like he plays on the boundary. He's athletic. He's able to play in the middle. He's able to break press. He's able to. I mean, he's like, what the hell is he not doing that I need to? I, I just don't get it. I mean, he seems to be slipping to the late second round in Superflex rookie mocks. Um, he, he, you know, I, I've got him at my wide receiver, I think, five. I'll look right now but while you're talking. But I think, you know, certainly right up there. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on Tylen Wallace? And am I missing something or am I all over it here? Yeah, I love Tylen Wallace. He's my wide receiver 13 right now. So, or I'm sorry, not wide receiver 13. He's 13 overall. He's sure. my wide receiver six, uh, you know, on the rookie big board in, in Superflex format. So uh, early second round is is a great spot to get Tylen Wallace right now. So he's he's a physical guy. He plays on the outside. He's got great hands. He's got great athleticism. I love the way he gets off the line of scrimmage. Now here's the kicker, and and here's the not the side of things that that I've I've heard a lot from Tylen Wallace. So a lot of folks are worried about his size. He's five eleven. He came in at 193 at the Senior Bowl. He's, he's probably going to play around 190. So he's a little undersized, and he played primarily on the boundary at Oklahoma State. He played on the outside, but 
What I love about Tylen Wallace is I think at the NFL level, they're going to play him on the inside, and that is going to be the perfect spot for him. He's going to be a mismatch. You slide Tylen Wallace into the slot, he's going to be way too physical, and, 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 too, and he separates too well off the line of scrimmage for you to put that nickel DB on him. So what do you have to do to keep up with that physicality? you got to try to put the linebacker on him, and he is going to burst, break, run right past any linebacker here. You're going to have to have a really athletic guy, somebody who's really good in coverage. So, um, you know, when it comes to Tylen Wallace, he is the mismatch, and that's what the NFL is looking for. They're looking for the mismatch. So I am all over Tylen Wallace. If he's used properly, he has a huge ceiling. You said he was your uh, wide receiver six and overall 15. Is that what you said? Overall 13, yeah. 13. Wide so receiver I, six. I, I was just checking, and I have him overall 14 and wide receiver five. So I think you and I are a lot closer than consensus because that must mean he's ahead of, I don't know, somebody like Rondale Moore, Terrace Marshall, Jalen Waddell. I mean, some of those guys. Uh, which ones uh, you can share with us? Yeah, sorry, say that again. Yeah, so I mean, if you have him at wide receiver six, you've yeah. got to have him ahead of some some group of Waddle, Marshall, Moore, someone like that, or you have him. Where do where do you have him in that in those in in those four? Yeah, so so the guy that that I have him above that uh, you know is not consensus is, is I have him above Rashad Bateman. So Rashad Bateman is wow. my seven. Uh, you know, I, I just have a lot of question marks. I like Rashad Bateman. I think he's good. Um, I think he can be a good wide receiver at the next level, but I, I don't see him as being dominant in, in the way that he wins in college or the way that he won in college. Uh, things like contested catch ability, uh, they're not necessarily uh, the, the traits that I have found translate best from fantasy football perspective. Um, sure. and, and he's 6'1", 210, and he won by being a big man in, in uh, playing in college. I don't think he could win in that same way in the NFL. So he's going to have to rely on route running, which again is not a trait that translates very well uh, to the NFL. You don't need to be a good route runner in college to, to run good routes in the NFL. Those are the things your team will, will develop and teach you yourself. So uh, Rashad Bateman, when I put him in my formula and, and I, I weigh the things that I found are important, he just doesn't score that well. So I like his tape. He's a fun highlight watch, but I, I really worry about the way that he plays and the size that he's going to bring to the NFL. Fair enough. Uh, let's just start at the top. Do we agree that Jamar Chase is the 101, or are you elsewhere? Yeah, he's he's my wide receiver one for sure, and, and it's sure. pretty easy. Uh, pretty, He's in a tier of his own at the top. I mean, the, the one criticism, and, and I've seen it on tape. I'm not a huge tape watcher, by the way. I'm, I'm more of an analytics guy, but I actually like to blend the two, and you know, I, I always call the, the, the analytics my foundation, and you know, the tape is always the the windows and the roof and the, you know, the curtains and things like that, you know, it just sort of finishes off the picture that I'm painting, but without the foundation, I don't have a house to build. But, you know, the one thing that I found with the tape is, you know, a little bit, which is weird because he's such a physical player, but he has a hard time with press and he has a hard time sort of, he's, he, which again, it's strange, but he, he just sometimes is gets a little bit bound up. Did you see the same in your tape? I mean, again, it's hard to nitpick because the kid was so uh, dynamic and we didn't have junior season, but did you see the same thing or, or, or what? Yeah. I mean, I, I really like his route running ability. I, I do think he separates pretty well. I, I've kind of heard that. 
Um, but I think he has really convincing body movements. He's got loose hips. So I, I found he's able to shake defenders very easily. Like it, it's hard for DBs to actually keep up on him. Uh, you know, it, it's interesting in the SEC, they will press, um, which is not something you see in a lot of conferences. So, you know, uh, maybe maybe a little bit inconsistent there, but I think he makes up for it with the way he wins downfield. Like not a lot of receivers are really winning in the second and third line, uh, second and third levels of the field in college, but Jamar Chase really is. So, um, you know, that's kind of what sticks out to me there. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of a rich man's DJ Moore for me, um, you know, which, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, he sort of, that's kind of the comp I come up with. There's really, it's hard to find a comp for him because obviously he's a really elite prospect and, you know, I don't think he's Amari Cooper. He's different than that, you know, but uh, so I have a hard time finding uh, the exact comp. But so after that, uh, I, I guess if you don't have Rashad Bateman, I have Rashad Bateman at two, um, but I kind of have a big old uh, tier after Jamar Chase and so I, I'm I'm open to hear. Who do you have it to? Is it Devontae Smith then? No, it's Jalen Waddle for me. I, I'm a huge Jalen Waddle fan. I mean, he is fast, fast, but you know he is so much more than his speed. He's he's a great athlete. He has some of the best hands in the class, and he's a sharp route runner too. So there's really nothing that Jalen Waddle doesn't do well. I think if he had not had that ankle injury, he would have been the first wide receiver off the board in the NFL draft. Uh, this year. So I'm, I'm all in on Waddle. And so he's my two. Yeah. He's a stud, man. He's also going to be almost 23 years old when, when the season starts, Uh, doesn't have a breakout age. So the analytics is a little bit, uh, look, he does have a breakout age, but it was 21 years old for me. Uh, He he was breaking out this year all over the place because he was just a stud. I mean, he was outproducing Devonte Smith in the four games that they played together. But, um, you know, technically he doesn't have a breakout age or whatever. But still, even as a senior, you know, to get there, he, he, he was not dominating as a freshman, sophomore, or junior. He was good, but uh, maybe he uh, – I don't know if you remember the story, but maybe he lost a lot of the Rochambeaus. Do you remember that? When there <laughs> yeah, were Rochambeau – they would Rochambeau, you know, because there was four of them. It was Ruggs, Waddle, Devontae Smith, and Judy. And they'd go out and be like, all right, who, who's, who gets to score the touchdown? <laughs> On this drive, and they would Rochambeau. And so maybe he just was bad at Rochambeau. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And I actually, I want to jump in too. I got to say, um, you know, I, I've, I've watched a, a few games uh, really focusing on Waddle. And, you know, one of the things more than anything that I've really loved is his hands. Uh, the way that he go at, he goes after the ball. You know, he is, he is a very strong hands catcher. He does not let it get into his body. Uh, he, the way that he attacks the ball well. Um, you know, outside of his amazing speed and, you know, some of the, the routes, you know, um, I really do. I I'm really high on Waddle as well. Um, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't have those analytics. It's a, it's a pure film take, um, which I know it's scary for a lot of people, but watching him play, man, he looks damn good. Yeah, he's very good. I'm with you both. So who's your three, Matt? We'll just, we'll, we'll go right down. Let's do this. Yeah, so so my three is where I'm higher than most folks. I love Terrace Marshall out of LSU. So it's he's fair. my wide receiver three right now. 6'3", 200, great downfield acceleration. Oh. Another guy with great hands, good route running ability, fantastic athleticism. Uh, and, you know, the way that he wins, uh, he's so versatile. They played him everywhere at LSU. 
uh, in that versatility for me is a real uh, upside. It's a real big factor. So I'm excited about Terrace Marshall. I think he could end up with a uh, a really good landing spot too. I think he could sneak into the back end of day one, if not early day two. And I think he's going to be a really good value. So, uh, you know, I am hyping up the Terrace Marshall train. Yeah, that that's, that's awesome. I mean, I think, you know, at the end of the day, you look at these guys and like I said, I have a big tier. I, I'm, I'm okay with, with Terrace Marshall, wherever you want to put him anywhere from two on really. Um, he's going to have teammate score for sure. I mean, obviously Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase, you know, are all consensus 1.01 and uh, Justin Jefferson proved to be that good. So Terrace Marshall, who was sort of shadowed by those guys, it makes sense. And then in in seven games in uh, 2020, you know, puts up, uh, you know, over 100 yards a game uh, on a team that didn't have Joe Burrow. So, yeah, uh, uh, quite, quite good there. Well, I'm going to I'm going to keep going real quick just to hear your number four. Who, Who you got at four? Yeah, so that's where Devonta Smith comes in for me. Sure. Um, you know, he he's a great pure wide receiver. We're going to have to figure out a way to work around that that size, but you know, he just wins in in every way. Great speed, he accelerates well in in a straight line. He he speeds up quickly. He's got great vertical ability. I love his footwork. I I love his body movements. Um, you know, and of course the yards after catch threat is fantastic for me. There's some folks that will have Devonta Smith a little bit higher up because of that yards after catch threat, but that's another thing I found does not translate all that well to the NFL. It's it's a lot tighter. You don't play in as much space. Defenders don't miss in the same way they do in college. So I still hold Devonta Smith in high regard, but I think he's going to be in a tough spot where I'm not going to end up actually getting too much of him. I know this much. I'm going to ask Dan what he thinks about Devontae Smith, but I'm going to tell you this. We're going to have to cut it short soon because we're running long, but this clearly could go for for months. Like literally <laughs> we could talk. Matt, I'm going to want you back on the pod sometime, so you've been awesome. Let me just say that up front. Dan, what are your thoughts on on, on Devontae Smith? And, and, and Matt, you'll love to hear my take. So my take is that Devontae Smith BMI is like DK Metcalf agility. <laughs> mm. Throw it away. Right. Yeah. I just, yeah. I'm just not interested. I think, you know, it's, it is, it's one of those things where, you know, I saw a tweet earlier today and I, I feel so bad cause it's, it's someone that I know well and I just forgot I'm forgetting who it is cause it is midnight currently. Um, right. Don't, <laughs> don't focus on what they can't do. Right. Focus on what they can do really well. And Devante, you know, the way that he can create separation, you know, at the jump is, is special. And, you know, Tommy Moe and, and Ray GQ have talked about it. You know, everyone is like, oh, the, you know, people at the NFL are going to press, they're going to press, they're going to press. D-backs, they don't press if they're afraid of getting beat. And, right. and you know, Smith's elite skill is creating separation and, and getting behind guys or, or getting to the sides of them, turning them around and stacking them up. You know, so, you know, his weight, yes, it's, it's a slight concern, but you know, when you watch him play, he's again, he's, he's one of these guys where it's like, it's, it's hard to discount just how, how skillful he really is. Yeah. And I think we learned our lesson with DK Metcalf. It was like, okay, he's not agile. Okay. So what? He doesn't run agility routes. He runs fucking real fast and shoves you to the ground and, and stops, or he keeps going past you. Like you're, you're in a, you're in a pickle when you're covering DK Metcalf as a cornerback, because he's bigger, stronger, and faster than you. And he's just going to win the way he wins. And I think we can learn the same thing with Devontae Smith. He's not that player. He's a totally different player. But I think his BMI is irrelevant to how he plays. 
Like I do, I, I was saying all off season that BMI matters. Like if he's six, three, 102 pounds, can he play in the NFL? Of course not. Like there's a point at which of course it matters. Like, yeah, that's going to be a guy that can't play in the NFL, but if he can dominate for two straight years at Alabama at that weight, then it's at least very likely that he can also be very good in the NFL at that weight. So I think we, we have to just sort of, yeah, it's a little grain of salt. It's not an, an elimination from contention. So I'm with you hundred percent. All right. We're going to do one last one because we know who six is. It's Tylen Wallace who you got at five and we'll, we'll wrap on that. Yeah. So it's Rondale Moore for me. Uh, Moore's a tough one, man. I mean, it's like, it's one of those examples of you flip on his tape and, and you just can't help but get excited uh, he he has a higher tape grade for me than some of the guys I have above him, but uh, there's a few factors that are weighing him down. Uh, you know, the injuries, of course, multiple lower body injuries. We have a very small sample size of games since his freshman year, which was now three years ago. Um, and he's 5'9", 175, and, and that's a built-out frame. Like, he is strong. And that sounds nice, but that's also works against him because he doesn't have room to put more on. So Rondale Moore is living in the slot in the NFL. Yes, that's just the bottom line. He's not going to have the ability to move around the field. So he's going to live in the slot. And we were talking about manufactured production earlier with Kadarius Tony. My goodness, uh, Purdue found every way they could get Rondale Moore the ball. And that's great because he's he's a great talent, but it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter in the NFL. They're not going to give you manufactured production, especially early on. So, you know, as talented as Rondale Moore is, he's got so much working against him. And by the way, he's not pulling day one draft capital. It's not happening, um, you know, because of those injuries and other factors and, and how strong the wide receiver class is. You know, he he's a day two guy for me, and I think he's closer to day three three than he is day one so it'll be interesting to see where he goes in the nfl draft but there's going to be a lot of factors working against him despite the fact that his tape is so freaking electric dan you got something on rondell or ditto no uh <laughs> you can say ditto it's just late baby it. you're no, I, no, I, i'm I, ready for i'm ready for your eight and a half month old to just sort of start crying and telling you you're being too loud you know listen i'm gonna get up to bed here and he's probably gonna wake up between 12 30 and 1 and then again around 3 a.m so <laughs> that's I right you know yeah you, i know my night um, yeah you've got no. a nice coffee next to the bed you're ready to go yeah yeah i just live on caffeine uh no i like rondale more um you know i think um the the I, get, I think I'm a little jaded because of our Purdue uh, brethren within the the undroppables. So I've been incepted to hear everything that Matt said, but just totally ignore it. Um, <laughs> and, and it's not because I disagree with with you know your your viewing of it or anything. It's I've just been I've just been my brain has been hacked. Um, so yes. I, I do like I do like Rondale more a lot. Um, but I think everything that you said is a very fair concern with his size and his role and everything like that. So um, I, I, everything there is, is very fair. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the thing for me, you know, dynasty game three, one one is when you're evaluating prospects, you know, it's easy to f- tell the story of how they're good, right? It's like, Oh, they're, they're this They're For me, it's always, how are, how am I going to completely whiff on this pick? Like what's the way that I crap out? What's the story that, that, you know, tell the story that, that of craps, and basically with Rondale, it's, look, he was never big enough. He was never going to be able to play on the outside. Everything had to be manufactured for him in the slot. Um, you know, 
he's a little nicked up and injury riddled and da da da. And you can just sort of tell yourself that story. And now you say, okay, well, that sucks. I don't want that. But on the positive side, he could be a slot monster. I kind of asked this question. I'll ask you, Matt, like, is there a chance he's not as good as Curtis Samuel? You know what I mean? Like, is that his floor or is it worse than that? You know, you bring up an interesting thought. There's, there's two schools of scouting. You know, you look at what a player can do. You look at what a player can't do. Um, and, and there's people who make their money as professional scouts looking at, you know, both of those different, uh, those, those viewpoints. I think from a fantasy football perspective, it's most helpful for us to think about how a player can be used. Right. And Curtis Samuel, you know, that's a good floor, but he's also an infuriating player to have on your roster because you never know what his proper value is. Right. And there's going to be people because there are people who are in love with Rondale Moore. They're going to take him in the early to mid first round and he's going to be off the board. And I'm not willing to do that. You know, I I just did a rookie mock draft uh, last week and he went at 206. Um, and you know, those, those were kind of folks in, in, in my Patreon and my, in my kind of, so we kind of, we're kind of on the same page with him a little bit. Maybe I influenced that some, but you know, there's, there's probably going to be a, a Rondale truther, you know, in, in your league that, that's going to want to take him at 107, 108. And if you're that person, you know, I would just say, uh, you know, from my perspective, the first round of your rookie draft should be a little bit safer, you know, start taking some of these home run swings in the second round with your second, third picks as you go. So it's risk. It's too risky for me in the first round, but I think that's where he's going to go because there's going to be somebody in most leagues that want him that bad. I think you're right about floor in the first round. I mean, you know, you, you want to not mess up your first round pick. You don't want you know to to completely whiff. So you're right on the money. And with that, I, I'd love to. I'd love to call it a night. I mean, we could go all night. Uh, you know, easy for me to say at 9 p.m. on on the on the West Coast. You East Coast sons of guns. At midnight, I mean, you're just basically wimps is all. That's all I'm saying. But now I'm just joking. But, you know, hey, Dan, um, you, you can sign off first. Uh, tell everybody what you're up to, what you're doing, and, and where they can find you and uh, and, and say goodbye to the, the fine people. Yeah, yeah. I just, uh, I'd say before I go, you know, thanks for inviting me on. This was a blast. Um, you know, I think we, we've talked about it here and there, but, you know, super excited to, to finally get it done and, and jump on here with you guys and, you know, just get a chance to talk. Um, you can find me on Twitter. It's at AWL Sabermetrics, all one word. Um, you know, right now I'm just, I'm hot and heavy with free agency, with the salary cap stuff, you know, when guys are getting cut or, or projections and just that's, that's really everything that I'm doing right now on Twitter is just, you know, everything free agency, everything, everything salary cap. Um, r- frankly, my busy time for Twitter is the off season. That's, <laughs> that's kind of my role on the group. Um, you know, within the website at the undroppables.com, you, um, the contract database is kind of my baby and you can go there and pretty much, and any fantasy relevant player, you can go there, click on their name. You can see all their contract details. You can see when's a potential out, how long they're locked up for all that information. So that's kind of, uh, you know, that's my baby and that's what I'll be doing from here until, uh, the start of the season. 
Well, Dan, you're, you're awesome. You've always been a friend and, and you're an awesome guy. And I thank you for coming on. You're doing a great job for, you know, for yourself and for us. And, you know, I, I appreciate it. And you, you're a hell of a little podcaster too. So you'll be back around and, and we'll, we'll hear a lot more of you going forward. Cause I think you're awesome, man. So thank you so much for coming on. Definitely go check out Dan, uh, on Twitter and, uh, check out his work at the undroppables. It'll help you. Um, you know, his feedback will help you be a better dynasty player because contracts matter. Um, our, our, our guest today, um, was Matt Hicks, Matt, really outstanding, outstanding analysis all the way through. You're awesome. Uh, uh, you know, if, if I were listening to this pod, I would be searching to follow you. Of course I already do, but point of the matter is if I were looking for some information, I'd be looking up your information because, because you, you clearly know what's up. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell the people where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely, man. It is. Uh, it, it's a good time. I think this is like my 16th hour of screen time today, but but well worth it here, <laughs> chopping it up with you fellas here to finish up the end of the day. Uh, you know, on Twitter at the FF underscore educator, uh, you know, I kind of got a ton of different projects going on right now. Like this is my busy season, uh, you know, rookie, rookie, uh, rookie rankings, um, you know, I have 83 player evaluations done for rookies so far, fantasy football focused. That's uh, as well as, you know, I have Devi rankings. I have dynasty rankings, cornerstone rankings, all that's at uh, patreon.com slash the FF educator. If you want to check that out, my written work is at si.com slash NFL slash draft. And then, you know, you have the rookie big board podcast, which is a podcast. It's also on YouTube, which is just rookie big board. So I think I hit on everything. I don't know. I got to yeah. stay busy. Sounds like, you're, sounds like you're doing a lot, man. Well, I, I will tell the people, if for those who are still hanging on, you should be because I got an important announcement. I think I said it somewhere earlier in the pod, but next week on, on the Undrafted is my fantasy football and real football hero, Evan Silva. Evan is just an absolute stud in this space. I think anybody who's ever done any of this shit just looks up to him and, and realizes he's kind of the goat as far as uh, as far as this is all concerned. So I'm going to be super excited and nervous to have him on. And, and like I said, uh, I don't know what I'm going to do because he's just, you know, on another stratosphere to me. So I- I'm grateful for that and, and looking forward to that. And hope, hopefully you all are too. But, you know, on, on behalf of everybody at the Undroppables, uh, everybody at the Undrafted, Michael, my producer, uh, Don Mega, who puts together everything for us on YouTube, Dan, Matt, thank you so much, y'all. Peace out. <laughs>